Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 87. Well, the pandemic has definitely been an accelerator of change and and especially technological change across various industries. The most successful businesses are those who can manage shocks and even turn them to their advantages, even though, of course, might be difficult to identify, broadly speaking, what the advantages for certain companies and business partners are. My name is Pesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. Today, we're talking about trade credit risk, a vital component of global trade. The current macroeconomic and geopolitical landscape looks bleak, but promoting the multilateral trading system, as well as the cross-border flow of goods and services, are so important for nations all around the world. The current Russia-Ukraine conflict is sending shockwaves through global commodities and energy markets, and there has been a marked increase in payment for default risks, largely due to the post-COVID fallout. Trade credit risk, sureties and bonds certainly have a role to play here for real economy growth. And with that in mind, we're joined by Robert Meters, Director at Schumann International Limited, and Marion Burden, Expert Business Analyst at Schumann International Limited. Marion, Robert, welcome to Trade Finance Talks. Thank you very much for inviting us to this podcast. An absolute pleasure. So let's start with a brief introduction. Who are you? Where are you from? And what do you do? Robert, over to you. My name is Robert Meters. I have been uh, with the Schumann in various senior roles for 13 years now. And uh, Schumann offers the leading trade credit risk management solutions with outstanding clients and references in the areas of industry and trade, using factoring surety and trade credit insurance. Schumann creates the future technological uh, standards for trade credit risk management worldwide. And my role at Schumann headquarters in Germany is to be responsible for the global business and market developments in credit risk. At Schumann International Limited in London, I am one of the directors responsible for the global market positioning of Schumann in the London market. My name is Marianne Burden. I joined Schumann at the beginning of this year. I'm based in the newly established London office of Schumann. My background is not in IT, but it's in risk underwriting and economics. I have worked for various credit insurers over the last 17 years, doing credit risk analysis, country risk, etc. And at the moment, I'm helping Schumann to build its presence in the London market. I'm involved in the product development. You know, I can use my knowledge of the clients of Schumann and risk management from my previous role. So that's where I come in. Thank you very much, both of you. And we have some great experts on today's podcast. So what are some of the higher level trends that you've seen emerging in the industry over the past few years? And how have these been impacted by macro events such as the pandemic? Well, the pandemic has definitely been an accelerator of change and and especially technological change across various industries. Might seem like a simple example, Zoom and Teams. These applications were available years ago already, but they were only widely adapted when we were all forced to set up the home office and work from home for a long period of time. We've also more widely learned 
to more efficiently and effectively do our business remotely and use technology. I don't think it would be likely that without an event like the pandemic, we would have taken such big steps in such a short period of time. And I think more generally, digital transformation is so high on the agenda of companies and it's gone more quickly. Projects are done and change is accepted just much more rapidly. So we're much more used to this and putting digital transformation really on the forefront of businesses. Yeah, and digital uh, transformation has been very pronounced in uh, finance functions where our software fits in. Finance has over years already become a much more dynamic field. It has to manage a complex set of risks as we see that with the shockwaves currently. It has to have the right information at the right time to support decision-making and planning in a complex unpredictable world and ever-changing world. Technology is key competitive advantage to finance teams nowadays. That's exactly where we are. Yeah, this post-pandemic world, or hopefully we are in a post-pandemic world, has actually, you know, it's brought a number of challenges to businesses, economic challenges and trends. All of them actually, I feel, can be linked to the digital transformation topic as well. As we all know, Firstly, vacancies are very high in a lot of industries. You know, we've all seen the signs on shops and businesses looking for staff. And we know companies are struggling to increase their capacity again and, and get the right people in the right place after the pandemic. And the great resignation has been mentioned by some newspapers. So that's very much an important topic. And it links to digitalization as well. You know, a lack of staff really forces companies to find the efficiencies in technology technology, how do you do your work? Can it be done differently? Do we need people to do certain tasks? You know, all these drivers. If you look at the younger generation as well, they have different expectations from the workplace. You know, they've grown up with smartphones, inter internet, the digital natives. So they're quite used to change and to systems and apps changing quickly, doing things differently, moving on. And they expect that from their workplace as well. Their workplace to be digital, flexible, up to date. If you offer for these staff to do work that is very administrative or if they think they can do it differently, you might struggle to attract and maintain talent. So from that staffing point of view, digital transformation is an important component as well. That link is definitely there. Then we have to talk about inflation, of course. It's all over the headlines. Very few of us will remember the last time inflation was reaching the levels it is at the moment. And inflation is a very complex and risky parameter to deal with when you're in a company, when you sit in a finance department. Inflation bites in various places, you know, not just in your sales and your pricing, and, you know, to what extent can you push costs through. It also impacts a very difficult trend. Technology can come in here as well because it helps you with productivity, maintaining your margins, managing the blow of the higher prices. It can also help you get information quickly, manage your working capital credit lines. So it's very closely linked. Then last but not least, political risk. I think that's the next trend I want to mention. It's back on everyone's radar very clearly, you know, since a couple of months. The war in Ukraine has added complexities to doing business, to international trade. You know, we've all seen it. We're seeing sanctions that are at unprecedented levels. They reach across the corporate spectrum. Complex, but incredibly important for companies, obviously, to comply and to keep an eye on sanctions and to understand their impact. Supply chain 
chains, another word obviously we see a lot in the financial media. Supply chains have faced pressures throughout recent years, various events, you know, and we all understand there have been changes and they need diversification. So doing business internationally has become more complex, has come with more risks, rapid changes. So you really need technology to have all the information you need to hand every day. To summarize, um, recent years have been years with a number of external shocks, the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, the crisis uh, coming from the Ukraine-Russian war, one of the examples that we could mention here. The most successful businesses are those who can manage shocks and even turn them to their advantages, even though, of course, might be difficult to identify broadly speaking speaking, what the advantages for certain companies and business partners are. It's more complex rather than to find easy answers and easy estimations. But technology and digital transformation are very key in all this, getting the right information, right time, and uh, to conclude what are the right decisions in next steps to handle these challenges. So we are living in a connected world. We have business partners around the globe. We see supply chains and uh, all the challenges related to any disruptions in the supply chains lead to significant challenges and uh, digital processes can help to get a better transparency what's going on to take the right decisions. Thanks you very much, Marion and Robert, for the pretty comprehensive overview. We've talked about the great resignation, digital transformation, the impact of the pandemic, the Russia-Ukraine war. You know, there's definitely been a number of external shocks. And I guess coming back to the main point of the topic, what are some of the use cases for trade credit insurance and how do they actually differ among your corporate banking and insurance client segments? Yeah, talking about credit risk management solutions, well, we are providing a broad range of that. Respective, if you are a corporate, a credit insurer or bank, a credit risk management comes down to assessing your counterparties. And that's key to know exactly who are they, where are they, can and should I sell to them? Are there any uh, disturbance that I have to take into account or any sanctions? How much do they owe me and when? And how much is my exposure to a company, a sector, industry or country? at any point in time. That seems so obvious that that kind of information is available at any time, but that's not the case. And we will look into that topic later on. Our software helps you with all of this, but it's fine to specific needs of different businesses and sectors and segments. So talking about anything that's related to risk management, it all starts with the proper information in the right time and uh, prepared that you could make any decisions that you have to deal with. And uh, we will see later on that this technology is not a static thing. So it's uh, something that's handling information, updated information all the time. Systems and people uh, keep learning, exchanging information and share best practices. And we are a part of that. 
if you think about credit risk management or you've had involvement in it, it's a practice that comes with handling a lot of information and data. You know, you'll have your financial reports or accounts, invoices, insurance policies, bank policies, spreadsheets, meeting notes, etc., etc. It's a long list of information you have to pull together and analyze. And this sort of data for companies can often sit in silos. So they might have have it all in online on their systems, but in different places. And that makes it more difficult to use it. it, comes with risk as well. And as Robert said, companies need information available at the right time, the right place, so they can make those decisions in a difficult climate. They can do planning and they can do risk management. You know, so that dynamic finance function we mentioned in that increasingly challenging macroeconomic environment. So in a company, you want everyone on literally on the same page or the same web page, the same system or a system that's well linked together so that everyone's using the same information in real time. So our software can help you pull everything you have and everything you use together in one place for your team to manage their workflow, monitor risks, and then report the data to management when needed. You know, we always work, we configure it to how companies work. We don't say this is one way to do it, squeeze into this. We work in partnerships and we give options to configure your system to how you want to do it and what you have in place. So we have different types of clients. If you look at corporates and look at a use case, you know, you can do your whole credit management on our system. So you can add, check, maintain your buyers, your buyer records in one place, can attach information, process information on system, or you can let the system make assessments of credit worthiness and automate decisions. For example, we have options for that. You know, you can manage your limits your exposure, and you can also add information, for example, relating to the financing you have for receivables or your working capital or any insurance policies you hold. We can link into that as well. So you really get the full spectrum for your credit management that we can support. We have clients in the banks and insurance industry as well, and we help them with their underwriting, also to do it in one system. Big financial institutions obviously often have systems in place already, but we can also help them pull everything together, pull information together so they can control inquiries, insurance policies, limits and exposure, and they can set up their processes to follow their internal guidelines and sign-offs all through our system. So it's also a very comprehensive solution for them. And I think generally, also as Robert mentioned, you know, everyone who deals with credit risk management, you look at fairly similar practices and assessments. So we work across the spectrum of companies who deal with this, which gives us that advantage as well, that we know and understand what comes into play for different industries. Yeah, and uh, just to add uh, that what Marion explained is uh, very important to understand that uh, each party in the supply chain, of course, is connected to each other, as well as uh, we are connecting corporates, banks with the trade credit insurers. We know exactly the processes that needs to be in place to get the best out of that connection. So in a connected world, to get it right, uh, 
and um, talking about a trade credit insurance, we are also talking about obligations coming from the policies. You need to understand what the information you need to fulfill such obligations. You could use these connections between the parties to get that right. And another actual example, think back to February as well, when Russia invaded the Ukraine. If you are sitting in a finance department, you know there will be that call from your manager or the board. How much exposure do we have to the Ukraine and Russia? Well, in old times, this would mean trawling through paper spreadsheets and programs and relying what a staff member maybe knows. With the credit risk management system, you will find all information with a couple of pressing buttons <laughs> to get the information right. On the other hand, um, the transformation of data to update information between trade credit insurers and the corporates or between trade credit insurers and the banks and financial institutions is really key to have that all in one system, to have the complete overview that helps a lot to negotiate how to to handle certain shocks as we've seen that. Of course, real-time information, you can take immediate action and inform your stakeholders and uh, they should be happy to get the proper information. Just going into a bit more detail on the Russia-Ukraine conflict, what impact is this having on payment default risks and are there any sectors that are really, really affected the most? Yeah, what we see first and foremost shortages in the energy market and in raw materials lead to price increases and disruptions in supply chains. So some examples of dependencies on Russia and Ukraine illustrate the situation. More than 15 countries depend on Russian gas for over 50% of their needs. And more than 30% of the world's wheat harvest coming from Russia and Ukraine. And looking into a fertilizer production, which is mainly coming from Russia. What does it mean? Price increases and supply chain disruptions may prevent any existing contractual obligations. So that is a high risk between parties. And talking about defaults, Consequently, experts already anticipate defaults. However, it's not easy to calculate that and dropping numbers here. Let's have a look into insolvency environment. The insolvency environment is complicated. I think at the moment, that's what we can say. It's fast evolving as well. I remember early 2020, obviously I was still working in credit insurance and the world came to a standstill. You know, we went into lockdown, everything stopped. Situation we hadn't seen before, but I think everyone was thinking this is going to be a huge wave of bankruptcies. We can't stop the world without everyone going bust or companies. A lot of companies can't survive this. But actually, this didn't materialize, these insolvencies. And in the last couple of years, insolvencies have actually been historically very low. And this was driven by a couple of factors. Governments really stepped up with high levels of support. Also, it was very quickly put in place all these schemes, wage support, any sort of support for companies. And the US obviously worked with supporting consumers with checks. So all this was 
really unprecedented, you know, another digital transformation that, you know, we couldn't have thought was possible so quickly a couple of years ago. And we've seen these schemes have remained in place throughout the pandemic. Most of them have only in recent months been reduced or finished. On top of that, we've seen that banks had very healthy balance sheets, low interest rates. So it was also good support available for companies, you know, to borrow a bit more, get a bit more liquidity to deal with the crisis and find different solutions and work through it. The tide will have to turn. We won't stay in an ultra low insolvency environment forever. That's just not how it works, obviously. And if you look at the predictions of the credit insurers, who obviously have the very closest ear and eye to this market, you see that all of them predict substantial increases in insolvencies this year and next. I think some places it's already starting. We need to keep in mind it's a bit of an adjustment and we're coming from a relatively low base. Where and where exactly it will be, it will really depend on a lot of factors that are at play at the moment. And we've talked about me before. So macroeconomic trends, geopolitical trends, you know, will central banks be able to control inflation? Will it be a short-term or a long-term impact? You know, global economic recovery, we see people in recent months have been spending again after sitting at home for a long time. And then companies as well, how well can they manage their resilience to shocks, their resilience to all these channels that the war in Ukraine has caused impacts uh, on from energy prices, obviously to supply chain and food price disruptions. It's a very difficult and challenging environment where I think we can all agree insolvencies will go up, but how big the shock is, that's it's really uncertain. And it's we're just in an environment at the moment where as a risk manager, you have to really sit very closely, monitor your trend and be very be nimble and um, really use technology to take advantage and uh, manage your finances very closely. Thanks, Mary. And a very comprehensive overview there. And I guess there are a number of longer term implications, particularly when we talk about the energy transition, the real focus on ESG, of course. My next question comes on to the point around technology and using emerging and developing technologies to assess risk. And let's go on to talk about artificial intelligence or AI, which I know Schumann has a lot of capabilities in. How is artificial intelligence currently being leveraged for assessing risks? and also opportunities. Yeah, Depeche, thank you for this question. So this is a switch from what we talked before to the specifics of a credit risk management machine. However, the goal of using machine learning and artificial intelligence is a continuous evaluation of a data that is relevant for risk assessment and forecasts. Applications start with the evaluation of business initiatives so the business partners, the transaction that is relevant for business relation and the monitoring of the business relation, as well as the political and economic framework conditions, as we talked before. Of course, if you would have to take uh, sanctions or any disruptions into account, uh, you need to have a support with the machine, support with experts to take that into account. Machine learning and artificial intelligence are capable to work with large data sets. And um, well, the machine is very good at applying mathematical approaches and using them for calculations and training. The essential requirement, what we see is that these uh, systems need to be uh, fed with uh, various data that 
that is correlating with the changes and indicates uh, higher risk and uh, probability of payment defaults or any changes in the liquidity forecasting. And uh, looking into the shocks that we discussed before, that means that the requirement here is that a machine is capable to take various details into account and as a brain to connect all the synapses and with high speed information between them. So that is the thinking implementing machine learning and artificial intelligence. And uh, furthermore, if you could compare that with expert systems and scorecards that are already in place, the question is, what is the benefit coming from machine learning and artificial intelligence? The answer is, well, it's a constant learning, a machine learning. It's an intelligence to solve uh, problems, taking complex relations between information into account. So to have a certain picture of the world you are doing business in. I just want to give you an example because sometimes it's very theoretical uh, talking about such technology if you don't have a picture in mind what it is, what, what you are benefiting from. So maybe taking credit decisions. So a credit decision must take into account risk assessment. So it's requested by regulators. It's requested anyway to make proper credit decisions. And in applications, it is necessary that you would set up a system that is close to the reality. So how do you find out that this system fits properly and you could compare the outcome from history and to see what the defaults were, what the risk estimation were in the past with the application of the system. So and what we found out is that the capabilities of machine learning and artificial intelligence are very promising in this context. And we found out that the machine exactly identified the right information and the impact of the information, the correlation between relevant data to find out what is the risk and what is the trend and is the forecast right or wrong. Even this system is more cautious than reality had been. So that is really interesting because in expert system, humans are evaluating the situation and human brain is capable to handle that complex. For banks and financial institutions that have to make credit decisions or purchase decisions on receivables, modern analysis forecasting methods can mean a quantum leap for risk-dependent pricing and conditions as well as financing. Thank you, Robert. And what a really good case study. And I think there are lots of capabilities and use cases and they'll continue to evolve. And I think one of the big problems we have at the moment is a lot of the data that we collect still remains unused. And hopefully over the next few years, we'll see those use cases increase as, as more data can be made available. I guess now wrapping up and uh, we're nearly out of time, sadly, Robert and Marion, it would be really good to hear what projects are coming down the pipeline for Schumann over the next few months or so. Schumann focuses on uh, consistent further development of software 
products in uh, trade credit risk. Uh, trade credit risk is on the agenda. So that is really important that we are supporting our clients with SP4 best-in-class and forward-looking software solutions. So to provide the solutions with beneficial outcomes uh, using that. And we want to stay ahead technologically as we talked about machine learning and artificial intelligence. There's a broad spectrum that needs to be talked with customers and just drop some words here like um, everything that's related to cloud computing, data science is on the agenda, connections between the parties involved, as we mentioned that before, to support them. So we are already embedded in a network of more than 50 interface connections with rating agencies and trade credit insurances and so on and so forth. So it's all relevant and needs to be developed is highly requested for the time being in our pipeline implementing that's these solutions and um, that is uh, requested but there are upcoming requirements regulatory requirements but also important topics are on the agenda like ESG environmental social governance so this is something that is very important to have an IT support to cover that technologically we provide even more self-service functions for quick adaptations to market conditions and maybe just to have a look back what we've discussed already so as soon as you would see there is a change in market there is a, a shock coming in you need to react as soon as you can and all of that is on the agenda and that's what we are looking at in the coming um and obviously, the other big thing to mention for us, although we have launched, of course, already in London, it's still a big part of our internationalization drive. We have a London office and a London presence, which we're working to expand over time. We've had clients in London for about 10 years, I think, but now we're actually in the market. And for us, that's really important. You know, London remains the center of finance, risk and technology. So we're really close. We feel like being in London gives us that proximity to clients, trends and events. You'll hear from us more from London as well this year. Marion, Robert, thank you very much for joining us on Trade Finance Talks. It's been such a pleasure having you and some really important discussions around the macroeconomic and geopolitical picture, what that means for trade credit risk, but also some of the use cases for developing and new technologies such as artificial intelligence and what that can mean for better decision making for SME and corporate risk types. It's been such a pleasure and looking forward to seeing you soon in your new London office. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.